Hello and welcome to the Unorganized and Lost podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and I'm here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. Today, I have my dear friend Hayden Lesko on the podcast, and he is a professional basketball player who plays overseas. Hi, Hayden. Hey, Michelle. How's it going? Good. Um, I'm so excited that you came on the podcast with me. So you have been playing basketball when did you start playing basketball? My whole life. Since, yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember. Okay. So did your dad play basketball, your mom? Um, my dad played a little bit in high school, but he kind of just did all sports. But mainly my older brothers were super into all sports, but basketball specifically. So Okay. So how was that growing up with the competition of having two older brothers and playing Fantastic. Same sport? Fantastic. I mean... It, Caused my body a lot of pain because <laughs> I was the youngest and got beat up on a whole lot, but it definitely helped me in the long run. And it kind of gave me a competitive edge over kids that were my age because I was playing against my two older brothers who were both four years older than me. So that's that so helped. good. So you played, did you play on like the middle school team? Did you play like, what did you play growing up? Like, did you play on the high school team? How competitive did you play? Yeah, so I mean, I started, my first league was just the, the FYBA, you know, Ooh. like the local Folsom League when I was <laughs> in like the th third grade, <laughs> and uh, my dad was the coach, and so I did that third, fourth, and then we moved to AAU, which is like the more competitive league where you travel around Sacramento and play in different tournaments and stuff, and did that all the way up until middle school, and then middle school, uh, Folsom Middle, we went back-to-back -back league champs, Let, let's go Jaguars. <laughs> humble brag, humble middle brag. school. Very humble brag. Okay, so in high school, did you play, how did that go for you? Because obviously you're a freshman, you started at a different high school. Did right. you play on the varsity team or anything? In your no, freshman so year? I played my freshman year at Folsom and... You played it on the freshman team? Yep, yep. Nice. And we, we had, had a really a, good basketball team back in the day, I feel like. Really good, really yeah. good, yeah. But the uh, that season, my freshman year, we were the best team in the league. We won the league, and then Vista Del Lago opened, mm -hmm. and me and a couple of buddies decided, you know, it's first graduating class. We can go over there, kind of blaze our own path. We can be the the seniors for three years in a row, you know, because mm -hmm. there's no one above us. Yeah. So me and actually my closest friend at the time, Marcus White, both went over to Vista and then the dominoes kind of started to fall and more and more of my teammates started coming. And before you knew it, it was like the whole freshman team had transferred to uh, Vista and the Folsom coach was pretty upset about it, oh, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, to say the least. But. So did you try out for varsity as a freshman or did you just plan to be on the freshman team? No, I just planned to be on the freshman Cause team. Because you want to be with your friends and stuff? Not only that, but I mean, I don't think I was ready for varsity at that time. Okay. I was, you know, still Did, Carter, did your still a little middle guy. brother play he didn't. He did not, but okay. Mitch, he played varsity as a sophomore. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just decided to kind of go a different route. That's fun. Mm -hmm. So he was a senior when you were a freshman, right? Mitch had already graduated. No, Carter. Carter yeah, Carter was so a he senior. Was still at the school. Mm -hmm. So how so it had to, so how it worked was we had the brand new school open and only freshmen and sophomores went to that school and you right. were the sophomores and then they just kept adding younger kids in. So like you said, you were the senior the whole way up. Yeah. So as you're going through that, were you convinced that you were going and playing college basketball? 
that was the goal, but I was never fully convinced. Like that's what I was working toward, but I mean, you never know, right? Yeah. And what was like your dream school in high school? Uh, when I was a little kid, it was actually North Carolina. That's just because yeah. I, I loved Michael Jordan so much. Oh, and it okay. was like, you know, MJ, North Carolina. But obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that you ended up going to Point Loma Nazarene, which is in San Diego. Mm-hmm. What ended up making you make... Did you go straight... You went straight as a freshman. So what ended up making that decision? Did, is that the only school that you got into? Or like, how did that all work, the college process go? Um... So senior year, I had a, a really good season, and you know, in my mind, I thought all these offers were going to start coming in. You know, I was like, not to brag about myself like we talked about earlier, <laughs> but just to say, I was like, MVP of the league, you know, first team All Metro, runner-up SAC B Player of the Year, all these accolades that I had accumulated through high school. I, I was certain that you know these D1 offers were going to come. Nothing really ever came. I got an offer from Cal Poly Pomona, which was D2, and they had just won the national championship the year before. Oh, okay. So I went down. Was Carter still going there at the time? No, this is Cal Poly Pomona. Oh, I'm getting all my schools mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, not San Luis Obispo, Pomona. But um, worked out with the team. It went well. When uh, talked with a coach, and he offered me a scholarship on the spot right there. And the cool thing about that was... When I went into his office, he had the big Division II national tournament trophy just sitting. Oh, he knew he was oh, doing. Oh, yeah, sitting right on the desk, <laughs> like right in between us. He's like, sorry, let me scoot yeah, this more like, in front of me. He's kind of rubbing it a little bit. He's like, you want one of these? But um, So I was strongly considering going there. and then Is that a four-year school? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went down to Point Loma and... I mean, they didn't even really have to recruit me that hard because the campus does the recruiting oh, itself. Oh, yes, it does. As soon as I got down there. Was had a, you had heard of Point Loma before Rhett went there? Never heard of it. Okay, so my cousin Rhett went there, yep. and I remember um, he was on the team. And so did that kind of make you think a little? Definitely. After they offered me scholarship to go down there and play, and I knew after that that Rhett was on the team. Because, I mean, I knew Rhett when I was younger, but we were never, like, friends yeah. or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But soon as I knew he was on the team, I was like, oh, man, that might be fun to go team up with him. He's got two years left. So took that opportunity to go down and play at Point Loma. That's so cool. So we, we kind of grew up in a pretty small town. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't that small, but I feel like growing up it felt small. How was it going to Point Loma, which was also a pretty small college? Was that you? Because you obviously had dreams to go to a bigger college and all right. these things. So how was that for you? Definitely too small. Definitely too small, and I underestimated how strict everything was there. You know, it's a Nazarene university, so mm-hmm. uh, chapel requirements three times a week, and no girls allowed in the dorms, and you know, just all these. Funny story about that. Rhett forgot that I was a female, and I was supposed to stay with him one time my freshman year, and he called me the night before and, so and you said, can, "You can't stay with me." Yeah, and, and so I ended up staying with his friend. Very strict. But the good thing is, I had. My oldest brother, Mitch, was at San Diego State. He had just graduated from there. So he was in San Diego. He was close. Yeah. And then I had a lot of friends that went to San Diego State. So yep. I, I was able to... Aztecs for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to enjoy my time in San Diego as well as enjoy the campus and the beauty of Point Loma. That's awesome. So how did you do um, in college? Was your theory, okay, I'm going to play my four years and then I'm, I'm done? Or was your goal always to play professionally? 
never was the goal for me to play professionally. Never. I mean, when you're a little kid, you say, you know, my mom's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm like, I want to play in the NBA. But it's just a thing kids say. Yeah. I want to be a so, dolphin trainer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like something I would always say, but never yeah. really uh, believed it. Mm -hmm. um, freshman year, I actually barely played. I was super mad about it. Almost left the school. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. And parents. They had a pretty good team. Parents convinced me to stay. Came back sophomore year, and over that summer, I'd worked really hard. So by sophomore year, we got a new coach. I was starting, so I went from playing almost no minutes to starting sophomore year. And, and you know, that was with Rhett and a couple other really strong players on the team. We ended up making it to the national tournament. And if Rhett hadn't pulled his groin, I think we would have been national champions. So I blame you, Rhett. What a doubt, blame Rhett Beal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't realize that, no, to be but playing, honest. No, playing with Rhett was great. He was, uh, you know, our captain, our leader. and I forgot he, he was captain. Oh, yeah. He did everything the right way. He was definitely a, a great leader for us. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So I found a random stat. Okay. I'm going to read it for you. That a study in 2015 found that 26% of U.S. parents of high school athletes hoped their child would become a professional athlete. In contrast, however, the data shows that only a tiny percentage of high school athletes will go actually go pro. In 2012, NCAA survey found that only 0.03% of high school basketball players go pro. So my question for you was, did you ever feel pressure from friends or family to go pro? Or I guess the opposite of people like not supporting you or thinking that you could do it once you kind of decided you wanted to? I would say mainly the opposite. I mean, not that people were in my ear saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, but I don't, I don't know if everybody was like, yeah, you know, go do it, go do it. I mean, especially my parents, like, all right, college is up, you got a good degree from a good school. What was your degree again? Business administration. Okay. Um, you know, it's time to turn the page, next chapter, but I... Get a, quote, real job, as I say? Yeah, 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 you know, grow up. <laughs> and I was like, nah, no, thank you. Yeah, Peter Pan. <laughs> but to be fair, it's not like you're not working super hard once you get there, so... Oh, twice. Well, the thing is, it wasn't until probably my junior year that I thought it was even a possibility, because okay. playing in the summer, uh, I stayed down in San Diego and I'd play in open gyms, and that would be with guys from all over. Guys from UCLA would come, San Diego State, from UCSD, USD. So all these, and even overseas pros would come back and we'd all play in these open gym games, you know, three times a week. And after I realized, wait, I'm holding my own. Wait, I'm, I'm. I might I'm, be better I'm, than I'm, these yeah, guys. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to come up with a polite way to say it, but yeah. in my mind, it's like, wait, hold on. This is, this is the pro. Yeah. I'm so, competing here. So going into my senior year, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, that I'm putting all my chips on the table. Going That's for so it. cool. So did it help meeting guys that were playing overseas? Definitely. Cause Definitely. like that obviously kind of opens your eyes to it. Almost like an internship in a way where it's like, you can actually see that's possible and what they're doing to get there. Right? Absolutely. And kind of picking their brain and seeing what it's all about. And one of the players from Point Loma, Greg Murray, he actually went over and he played in Israel for a year. After, I forgot about that. Yeah, that after like he finished. So I talked to him a little bit and I love Greg, but I was like, if Greg could play over there, I can definitely play. <laughs> <laughs> There's always those people in your life. It doesn't matter how much you like them, you're always going to be competitive against you them. You have to, you yeah. have to. Like, I mean, 
And it's all a mindset. If you truly believe that you can do it, and which I did, I just I attacked it and, and it so ended up awesome. working out. So how does that work? Do you get recruited? Do you start talking to people? Do you get a manager? How the heck do you even like think about going about getting recruited in overseas to play basketball? So after I had finished my senior season, I, well actually my junior season, I ended up being like a NCAA All-American and senior season first team All-Conference. And then I got hit up from a couple different agents that are overseas agents and basically just asked, are you interested in playing overseas? Because they would like me to join their, you know, their program for representation. And looked around a little bit and picked an agent and went with it. And he kind of basically takes my film, my stats, and shops it around to different teams in different countries or it's really all about connections. It's like whoever the agent is connected with in these different leagues and different coaches he knows. Um, Have you had the same agent throughout your whole experience? No, I actually had to break up with him at one point. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he was definitely like a, a rookie agent, I would say. He, he's kind of a starter because there's levels. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Just like anything. The, yeah, yeah. So he, he got me into a, a good starting spot. Mm -hmm. Where did you start? In Germany. Okay. In Germany in a league called the Pro B, which is not the first league in Germany. Okay. And So are these leagues, is it like the European league or does each country have their own league? Yeah, so each country has its own league within that country, uh -huh. but sometimes they have multiple leagues in that country, depending on okay. how big of a country, how strong they are at basketball. And Germany is one of the best out there, so they okay. have multiple leagues. Um, but yeah, I ended up going to Germany, and it was a... Uh, what area did you live? I lived in Karlsruhe, which is southern Germany, right on the border of France, right, okay. ne right next to Strasbourg, like 20 minutes across the border to Stras oh, okay. Strasbourg, France. Nice. Um, culture shock. I bet. Big time. Yeah, so I know that you've been on different teams each year, and every year, hasn't every single one been a different language? No, actually, I've been fortunate. I played in Germany for two years and in Austria for a year. So those oh, okay. three years, it was all German. Okay. Did you ever learn any German? But, yeah, I'm bisschen. I'm bisschen Deutsch. All I got was Prost. <laughs> <laughs> I said a little bit, a little bit. But um, yeah, I, tr I really tried hard to pick up the language. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I downloaded the Duolingo app and I was working hard at it, but they just make it so easy for you because yeah. everybody, everybody really speaks, speaks English. English. Yeah. And even my German teammates, I'd be like trying to, talk German with them, they'd be like, dude, you sound like an idiot. Just talk English. <laughs> I know you're trying, but no. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so what was the biggest culture shock when you first went there? Because you, have you ever traveled to Europe prior never. to... That was dang, my first time. Yeah. Out of the country, too? I mean, I've been down to Mexico okay. and Canada, yeah, but Mexico, overseas, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Especially when you lived in San Diego. Right. Yeah, <laughs> what's the difference? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, overseas, first time. I'd say the the biggest moment that I would say freaked me out a little bit was the first time I went to the grocery store. Okay. Because, you know, they, give yep. you, they set you up in an apartment and everything. And Do you live alone or do you live with roommates? I lived alone. Okay. And Did you like that? 
I loved it. I, I'm very happy being by myself. I'm kind of, <laughs> I mean, obviously I love hanging out with my friends and being with people, but I love my own, nice, the I love my at own home. space. Yep, yeah, I feel for that. sure. Uh, the first time I went to the grocery store, because everything's in German. I don't know exactly yeah. what meat I'm buying. I don't know exactly. So I forgot about all oh, that. Oh yeah, I don't know what I'm putting really in my cart. I can tell from the pictures, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and then when I get out, when I go to check out, it's like, oh, how am I going to communicate with this guy? I hope, he, <laughs> I hope he doesn't tell me the price in German. Cause I, so that was tough. I just handed him the card. And said, hey, I don't know. Hey, go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was interesting. That's sure. awesome. So did anyone go with you over there or do you just fly out by yourself, meet up with your agent and you're out the solo, team? Solo, solo. And the guy that picked me up ended up being a great guy and I got really close with him because he was really uh, a big supporter of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't speak great English. So when I got there, he was just kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> get, get in. in. And I was just like, okay, I don't know where we're going. Just but gesturing things at it, you. It was like, one of those signs, like, you know, a movie. He's just standing there at the airport with my last name, holding a little sign. Stop. Yeah, and I was like, all right, let's 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So when you first landed, is it like you just automatically start practicing with the team? Is it Did you have a second to kind of figure out the country or did you just I think dive we, into basketball? We had the first preseason training two days after I I got there that's wild but the one fortunate thing for that season was I had an American on the team that had played with the same club for the like the last five years oh that's nice. because he hadn't married her yet but he was with a, a German woman from that town so he didn't oh, okay. want to leave so he kept renewing his contract and staying there so he was able to show me the ropes a little bit which that's awesome yeah so okay so you do your first year in Germany mm-hmm. how does it work is it automatically they off like if they it's only year contracts, right? Usually, usually, okay. usually everything's a one year. Sometimes you'll see a two, sometimes a three. But okay. uh, my first contract was actually a one plus one, but it was the team option. What does one plus one mean? So it was one year contract, and then if the team liked me, mm-hmm. they could pick me up for a second season without you deciding, without my choice. Interesting. And so I had a good year in Germany, and decided I could go somewhere else and be kind of more successful, kind of move up in the the money bracket as well. So had to buy myself out of the second year of the contract. Dang. Yeah. So that, how was that feeling? Was it like terrifying slash? No, I mean, me and my agent were confident that we'd get a a new deal somewhere else. So we kind of just took the jump. Yeah. Just had to do it. Did you still have the same guy or did you find a new agent at, by then? At that time, I, so I stayed with the same agent for about four years, which okay. was probably three years too long. Okay. But, <laughs> but uh, no, he, he did a great job of at least getting me to Europe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do the first one in Germany mm-hmm. and then the next year, where did you go in Germany? Next year, I went to Scotland. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So that was... Um, actually the English league, it's called the BBL, the British Basketball League. Okay. And I was in Glasgow, so it's the only team in Scotland and every other team is in England. Oh, okay. So there was a lot of travel involved. Oh my <laughs> we, were, we were flying down, we were on lots of planes, long bus rides, but that was, that was really easy because they speak English. Oh, true. They speak English there and that yeah. was great, but... The one funny story about that is when I got off the plane, I got picked up by the coach who was actually an American guy. Okay. 
he takes me to my apartment and he goes, all right, here's the keys to your apartment. Here's the keys to your car. See you at practice on Monday. And I'm like, all right, cool. And in the UK, they drive on the other side of the road and the <laughs> steering wheel is on the other side of the car. So when I went out to drive the next, or on Monday, I didn't drive till, till practice time. Oh no. I got in the passenger seat of the car. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, then I had to go around. And was it automatic or manual? It was automatic. Okay. It was actually it was manual in most other spots, but I can I can drive manual no problem. So that was. Have you ever issue. driven a manual on the other side of the car? Because that's strange oh, okay. as heck. No, 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 that would be I crazy. I did that in Australia, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. But everything's the same. Like all the pedals are the same. So you just do the shifting uh, with your okay. left hand. So yeah. it's not too bad, but. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times I turned the wrong direction, or <laughs> like for the first month, it was it was I needed laser focus to get to and from places because there's was, no cruising; it's just you, straight you, focus. Because anytime you let your mind wander a little bit, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm in America, oh, wrong way. <laughs> that was tough. That's wild. Okay, mm -hmm. so how was Scotland for you? Was that like a pretty big change from Germany? Like, what was that next step? Were you starting to get used to being over there? Yeah, yeah, Scotland, I mean, again, it was just so easy because it was English and mm -hmm. you could communicate with anyone, anywhere. There was no fear of anything, like going out and talking to people or meeting new people was just... Or getting lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're getting lost, yeah. <laughs> Someone could will just, get me back. <laughs> could just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was, a, that was an easy year for sure. So did you always come back every summer to home? Yeah. Is that usually how it worked? Mm -hmm. You just play during the season and come home? Yeah, I play for about nine ten months and then come back for two and hang out with friends see family recharge a little bit and then back hop on the it. plane back at it yeah okay so what was next after scotland then back to germany okay back to germany and um where were you there where were you in again germany? again southern germany i was okay. in elshigen which is a small town just side, just outside of ulm which is okay. also about is that anywhere near munich yeah, I want to okay. say about an hour and a half west of Munich. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love Munich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say, when I was in Germany the first time, Mitch and Carter, my two older brothers, came out for Christmas, and we drove to Munich from Karlsruhe, from where I was at, Fun. and had Christmas in Munich, and did the whole Christmas market thing, and we went to the... Hofbrauhaus? The, the, we did do the Hofbrauhaus, of course. Yep. Giant beers. Yep. I remember most of the night. <laughs> Relatable. Yeah, yeah. But the. Uh, did you ever go to the river that, where they surf? Did they have that in December? I know exactly what you're talking about, but I didn't go there. Okay. But we did see the uh, Neuschwanstein Castle, if you've ever heard of that. It's like the fairy tale mm -hmm. castle, the one okay. that like Disneyland was based, based off, of. off of yeah okay. so that was cool to go or not, but. to go see that and do that tour and it was great to have them out for christmas anyways that was a random flashback no that's perfect <laughs> well and it's cool too because it's got to be nice to experience it like have them come experience it a little bit with you definitely and that was like my first christmas away from home so yeah. it was great to have them there that's awesome your parents um, were like what the heck <laughs> yeah yeah i tell you christmas is hard but i think being in Europe for Thanksgiving is the hardest because oh, really? they don't do Thanksgiving because it's an American holiday. You know? uh, so I'm seeing, you know, Snapchats and texts, yeah, food. all these amazing plates. And I'm just <laughs> like, well, I'm having my chicken and rice over here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's see. Third year, Germany, Car or, um, Elshigen. 
one of the best teams in the league. We ended up winning the league. I think we only lost like two games that season. Wild. So we won the league and then went into the playoffs and swept the playoffs and won the playoff championship as well. And that was a great year. And that was just a successful year. Had a lot of fun, good teammates there. And again, it was a lot easier the second time in Germany because I, I, I was experienced. Yeah. Did you ever repeat a team Never. while you're there? So Never. how was that? Was it like, did you have any interest in doing that or you just had way too much fun going to different teams and trying new experience? I wouldn't call it too much fun trying to bounce around, even though I do enjoy traveling and seeing new countries. That's an aspect of it, mm -hmm. but more so trying to climb the ladder and, oh, okay. and, and improve and, you know, play in better leagues, better pay, better competition, things like that. Gotcha. And so after we won the league, I jumped over to Austria. Okay. And I only went to Salzburg when I was there. I like went from Munich, I think actually. Okay. So I yeah. was in uh, like the east side of Austria. It was okay. actually kind of right near the border of Hungary. Okay. In Oberwart, which I mean, it was a great league, strong players, but I was in this tiny little town. <laughs> it was like, and there's like three street lights. And, and, no, it wasn't that bad, but it days off weren't as it, exciting it, as yeah, other it places. wasn't the big city life or anything like that. But the bright side is we were about, I want to say, 40 minutes from Vienna, so we were up in Vienna all the time, time off. That's awesome. Yeah, but that was probably my favorite year playing basketball was in Austria. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I had a really, really good coach who, who believed in me, let me play the point guard. The first three seasons, I was kind of playing off the ball. And I mean, this is kind of getting real into basketball. That's the fine. Nitty -gritty no, this stuff. is good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he let me play the point guard. Our other point guard got hurt. So we didn't really have a backup. So I was fortunate in a way. So I was playing like 35 minutes a game and loving every second of it. That's cool. And that ended up being kind of a, a springboard year for me because I had my most success. I ended up making the all-star team. Was uh, What does the all-star team look like? Is it for that league or is yeah, it like yeah. in your... Okay. For that league. So they did... The all-star setup was the all-stars of the American players in the league versus the all-stars of the Austrian players in the league. No way. Yeah, which was pretty cool. And Did you guys win? We did win. We did win. And That's I what won, I like to hear. And I won the MVP of the all-star game. Dang, so, check you out. Yeah, and I didn't even dunk once. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, so, I mean... Obviously, that's a it, kind of a fun game, but still, that was a, a big honor for me. I was I was happy to accept that, and then went on to have a really good season. We finished second in the league when we were supposed to finish like eighth or something. Wow. So exceeded expectations, and I ended up winning the MVP of the league in Austria that year. That's incredible. And then that's when I actually about halfway through that season is when I dumped my agent. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done <laughs> that's so funny so in total how many years have you been in the Seven. that's crazy mm -hmm. so you went to you've already been to what in the story we've been germany to... uk back to germany then to austria okay what was next then i got this new agent who's a another croatian guy and he took me over to macedonia 
Where's Macedonia? Which is exactly what I said. <laughs> if I haven't been there, I am the worst at geography. Yeah, I said, what's a Macedonia? And so it's actually called Northern Macedonia, and it's just north of Greece. Okay. So, like, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Alexander of Macedon. Is, okay. So he's from Macedonia. Look at you in history now. <laughs> well, I know that because the Greeks and the Macedonians don't like each other because, here's a history lesson, <laughs> the northern Macedonia claims Alexander the Great as their own, as a Macedonian. Oh, but okay. the Greeks are like, no, he's Greek because that was a part of Greece in ancient times. Okay. So there's this big war over of who owns him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I got there, I went to the city center, and there's just the m most giant statue of Alexander the Great you've ever seen, just <laughs> on a horse. I, it might be a hundred feet. I don't know, giant. giant. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's wild. So how was that season for you? Was it pretty good? Uh, another bit of a culture shock because now I'm going to Eastern Europe, and okay. it's kind of the Balkan region, and they are some very fiery people. They wear their heart on their sleeve, and if you do one little thing wrong, they're, you know, at your, tell you. oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, got a lot of screams, but you know, just part of the job. <laughs> but uh, that, no, that was another good year. It was another very good year. Um, we were, again, out of like the 12 teams, I think second in the league, and I was enjoying my time there and everything, and the one great thing about Eastern Europe, so cheap. I was gonna say it's so cheaper. So cheap, like, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable, you could eat out every night like a king and it, <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> the little things in life. <laughs> yeah, you go to, you can go to Kafana, which is like an all, all night kind of dinner with friends and wine and rakia, which is like their local drink. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, eating at Burger King or something. <laughs> and, you know, there's someone playing the violin behind you while you're eating. So, yeah, that was, that was great as far as the price point went. Um, let's see. Oh, and then my favorite food probably is from the Balkan region, chavapi. It's like okay. these small sausages. Uh-huh. I guess you can call them sausages, but you can eat them with, like, onions, a little bit of vinegar, and some bread. Unbelievable. So if you ever go to Eastern Europe, in, anywhere in the Balkan region, okay. get Chivapi. Okay, will do. So you end that season, and you're still with the same agent now, the new one? Uh, well, that season ended because of COVID. Oh, okay. That's the one that got cut short. Okay. And that was actually a little bit scary because... COVID came around and they shut everything down. And at the time, everyone's saying, oh, don't worry, don't worry. You know, it's, it's cold. It's going to pass in a couple of days. We'll get back to, so everyone stay in your apartment and stay in your apartment. Okay, so one, two days, three days pass. Again, don't worry, don't worry, everything's fine. And then the president of that country comes on the news and says, we're shutting down the airport in 48 hours. No one in or out. Oh my god. I called my agent immediately and said, get me out of here right now. <laughs> get me to, no, no, right, me to California right yeah. now. And me and the other American got on the last flight out of the country. The last one before they closed the airport. It was a sweat. Oh my gosh. So where did, did you have to take a ton of connecting flights? Yes. Or? Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was a ton actually. We flew to Istanbul. Okay. And then Istanbul, I think we might've gone straight to San Francisco. 
No, no, no. We stopped somewhere, but and then San Francisco, and then San Francisco to Sacramento. But Wild. It, so then you were stressful. home for how long? Like seven months, I think, because the leagues were iffy about starting up again. Um, I got offers from different teams that I wasn't thrilled about, mm-hmm. so turned those down for a while, and then eventually got an offer to go to Bosnia, Ooh. which again, a lot of people <laughs> listening would be like, Bosnia? <laughs> really? <laughs> but, I mean... So how was the mental like part of everything when you were home? Because you were, were you living with your parents at the time? I was. So you're was. living with your parents, you're a professional basketball player, yeah. they're probably giving you the slack of, are you going to get a real job? So how was that whole scenario of being home that long? And well, at that point, it was more of... Like, I could easily move out and, you know, go live by myself, but it just didn't make sense. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be there, Mm -hmm. and if they're okay to let me, you know, crash for a little while. They didn't have any problem. They enjoyed having me back, I think, at that point. Were they ever questioning the fact that you still were focusing on playing professionally? No, because at that point, by the time I got to Macedonia, I was making... A good career for myself. That's amazing. I had kind of accomplished what I was setting out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. First couple of years, it was kind of like if you think about it, like baseball. Okay. You know, you got the minor single, and all that. the single A, double A, triple oh, A. Oh, okay. And as soon as I got to Macedonia, it was like, okay, now it's now I've done what I've come out here to do. Making good money. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Can and, support yourself right. and all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first years were kind of trying to prove, actually, maybe the first two, but anyways, worked my way up and eventually it was like, okay, now, now they saw what the dream was and they were always supportive. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But as parents, they're also, yeah. Yeah. So how was it, um, trying to work out and trying to stay in shape and trying to very, all of that while very, being COVID. Very difficult. Gyms were closed. I couldn't get in anywhere. I tried to get in my high school to go work out, but they were redoing the floors. So I couldn't <laughs> get in my old high school. I was working out outside. Trying to pull all the strings. Oh, everything. Pull any everything. Um, but I was doing workouts outside. Me and my brother, Carter, who's a fitness fanatic. Yeah. We had all this wood in the backyard. And so we built ourselves like a home gym and we were like real <laughs> Rocky four style, like, you nice. know, working outside, just doing whatever we could to try and stay in shape. And, yeah. you know, I got a court in the backyard, so it's not very big, but it gets the job done when yeah. you need to. Yeah. At least you have a hoop to yeah, shoot at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I could, I could keep it, keep it strong and stay fresh in that way, but it definitely wasn't the same as each of my other summers where I had, you know, trainers down in LA I would go work out with, or I had a shooting machine at 24, I would shoot on every day. So very weird. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy that summer I at bet. all in comparison. I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. <laughs> so um, when did you end up being able to go back and what team did you make it to? So that was when I went to Bosnia, but okay. that was... I want to say November. Oh no, that was after Christmas. So I think like first of January. Of so, I was, so I was home for ten months. That's wild. Yeah. Was shocking. it weird being back here for that long, or was it kind of nice? Weird. I bet. Yeah, very weird. 
And it was like, it was for so long, I had to do something, you know, I couldn't just work out for 10 months and consider myself a functioning member of society. So my brother's friend had started a wine company called uh, In Good Taste. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being like a a fake wine sommelier for them. So, oh no, yeah, this this was real. I did hear a little bit about this. This might have been more difficult than than playing basketball, more (laughs) more nerve-wracking at least. I mean, basically the idea of this company, for those of you who've never heard of In Good Taste, is you get a group of friends together and virtually over Zoom, they email you or they they mail you out a box of nine different wines, kind of mini wines, Mm -hmm. and everybody gets online and then I'm your host and Telling I, them about and these I take wines? you through the tasting of each wine. <laughs> Did you drink wine before this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, but not to this level. So, man, people would ask me questions, and you know, I had to pretend like I knew it. So I had a computer behind my computer and a mouse, and I was googling <laughs> questions while they'd ask it, and I'd you know say it with confidence. I wore a little like sport coat, so it made it look like I knew what I was talking about a little bit more. Fake it till you make it, people. That's amazing. That's <laughs> but that so was cool. actually a really, really fun job, except for when you give a, a tasting like that to a group of 15 people that really know their wine. <laughs> You're not faking that, it. Yeah, then it's tough. <laughs> then it's tough. Then you got to tell a lot of jokes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You're like, oh, silly me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a pro basketball player. Don't mind me. <laughs> okay, so um, what was it like? So I guess let's start with this. What does a day look or like a week look like for you? Because obviously people always like make jokes or say things like, oh, when you get to get a real job to people that are in something that's not a nine to five. So what's like a week look like to you in, as a professional basketball player? It's tough. It's tough. Um, they actually there's there's a running joke that in Europe you get paid to practice because you practice so much more than you play. Oh, okay. Like for example, in the NBA, those guys are playing three times, three games a week. Maybe they practice here and there because they're trying to keep the body fresh because they have so many games. Oh, okay. You know, they have 82 games. But in Europe, it's not like that. Europe, usually you're playing, you know, on a Saturday. You're playing maybe, maybe twice a week, once a week. So you're just practicing all the time. So it's like you wake up on a Monday, you got weights, you go from weights to the gym for either an individual workout or shoot around. Then you got team lunch. Then, you know, you go take a quick nap, try and recharge. By then it's five, six, and you got practice at night again. And then you practice till eight, and then your day's over. So it's like, dang, you're working, you're working hard. It takes up your whole day. It's not like, People are always like, oh, so tell me about all the places you get to go to. You go <laughs> tell visit. me about it's your like, free time. Yeah, you're like, what's it's free like, time? I get, I get Sunday off only. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're like, and I'm napping. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's crazy. So after Bosnia, where'd you go? After Bosnia, I went to my favorite country that I've been to, Switzerland. Yeah. I love Switzerland. Yeah, to Geneva. And... That was great. I really, really liked it. Did you Geneva. get a whole season? Oh, no, you didn't because you got hurt. Played for one month, tore my ACL. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So how's that? So you're obviously recovering right now. Yep. How's that been? Uh, it's been good. I, I mean, when I had the injury, October 2nd, last preseason game, which and there's only two minutes left in the game. Oh, no. Of a preseason game. Oh, so no. So that's tough. Did you guys win? 
We were playing one of the better teams in France, in the French Pro A. We were up two with a minute and a half left. So normally in a preseason game, uh-huh. coaches would kind of pull the starters out, let everybody play, but it was like, wait, we can beat this team, you know, because they're yeah. really... So it turned into like a, a real yeah, a heated game. And a minute and a half left, I try and go by a guy to the left. And as I plant with my left foot, my knee just bent inwards and basically touched, touched the court and tore everything up. Did the meniscus. Oh, no. Both, both sides of the meniscus, the ACL. How, how and, painful is and that? And the MCL. Uh, very, very, very painful. Have you ever broken anything before? Uh, I broke a bone in my foot when I was a real little. I mean, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I think it was like eighth grade, but okay. it, it was definitely the most painful injury I've had. That's wild. And I've never had any knee issues in my whole life. I've always had very, never even had a single pain in my knee. So, oh, dang. Yeah, it was tough. So that was in October, you said, right? October, got surgery October 19th in Switzerland. I was really fortunate because the hospital that was kind of worked with the team. The surgeon is the Olympic surgeon for the Swiss Swiss national team. So he was able to take care of me, did me upright, and uh, rehabbed there for about four months, and then came back here, and I've been rehabbing at Results Physical Therapy, and it's down near Sacramento off Bradshaw. What's it been like being home this time, being injured, compared to being home last time and trying to stay fit while you obviously it's during covid but this was now during an injury how's that been for you has it been harder has it been way harder yeah the most difficult for sure i mean i can't even compare the two they're not even the same like yeah. universe you know yeah basketball is kind of my escape from everything mm-hmm. and when i'm on the court it's like i can just block everything else out mm-hmm. and there's nothing i like more than just an empty gym and a basketball and i can just focus on something different for a while. Yeah. And then when I'm not playing basketball, my favorite thing to do is golf. So Oh no. Yeah, I would love to be on the golf course every day. So now I can't play basketball, I can't golf. Um, and that's what your family loves to do also. Yeah, so that's yeah, even harder. So yeah. I'm like, Carter, what are you doing tomorrow? He's oh golfing with dad. I'm like, sick. <laughs> no, I guess I can ride in the cart. <laughs> sick. I'll just watch training day for the fourteenth time again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um so I guess I already asked you that. Let's see what else we got. Um, So obviously you've never had to come back from an injury like this before. So you hear stories about people. Is it almost worse than what you'd expect? Or is it kind of, I don't know. About ACL injuries? Yeah, just anybody like come back from an injury in sports. Like what's your biggest advice to someone as they're going through it? Because you're still going through it. Well, to me, the, the success stories that I've heard are super inspiring. Just makes me believe that I can come back and possibly from what I've read and what I've watched could be even stronger if I do the rehab the right way. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a motivating factor. All the, all the different people that have been through it. Yeah. So I would say just advice, keep at it. And I mean, keep believing that you can come back and there's always going to be that little voice of doubt in the back of your head, which I'm trying to fight every day, but you, yeah, you just got to fight it. Yeah. So would you go back to Switzerland if you could? That's my goal. Yeah. I would love to go back to play for that team. That's um, awesome. Kind of finish finish what we had started. And, I mean, Geneva is amazing, beautiful. I got there when it was in the summer, and they have the big lake. 
we were swimming in the lake all the time and then it got a little colder and it was snowing and surrounded by the Alps. Um, yeah, I loved it there. That's really cool. So let's see here. How do you define success? Um, accomplishing goals that you set out for yourself, probably. Probably the, the most simple way to put it. But I mean, even attacking your goals and failing, if you don't stop, if you keep going for them after you fail, I think that's success as well. That's really cool. Um, another question I had actually kind of aligns with that where it says everybody says failure is a part of the process. What does that mean to you? Everything. It means everything to me. I had, uh, I had that poster on my wall of Michael Jordan with his famous quote. I mean, I'm going to butcher it now because I, <laughs> I haven't seen it in 15 it's years. It's not still on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> but he said... Uh, he said something like, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my career, and that's why I succeed. So that's, that's something that I've always kept close. That's awesome. So many pro athletes follow pregame routines to put them in the best possible position before a performance. Do you have any? And walk us through them if you do. Absolutely. I got to do or I really like to do shoot-around. Some people don't like to do anything before games. I really? Like to, Why? They just like to rest their body. Oh, okay. So most coaches won't require it. So I like to go get my shots up in the morning, go have some lunch, got to have a, a nap on game day, have okay. to. What's your go-to lunch on game day? Pasta, chicken and pasta. Nice. What mm -hmm. kind of pasta? Are you a fettuccine guy or? Um, arrabbiata. I like the little spice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and two Red Bulls. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to get Red Bulls to sponsor this one for B us. Yeah. <laughs> big, big Red Bull fan. Um, two Red Bulls? Two Your Red heart Bulls. doesn't stop? Sometimes I'll drink the first Red Bull and a little bit of the second Red Bull, and I'll leave it in the locker room so I can finish it at halftime. Wild. Yeah. Do you have anything that's like I your... think it's a performance enhancer. I honestly do. Okay. It does give you wings, it says. It, they do tell us well, that. Well, I, I can't fly, so <laughs> <laughs> I can shoot, though. <laughs> no, Red, Red Bull is, uh, is life for me. Are you superstitious at all? Is there anything you have to do every single time other than Red Bull before a game? I'm a little stitious. Okay. And you got any specifics or no? Um, Are you that superstitious that you can't even say them? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say it out loud, huh? <laughs> probably not. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll ruin it. <laughs> maybe. Because someone's like, I saw you not do it that game. And you're like... Yeah, no, actually... Did you do it before you hurt your knee? <laughs> Funny thing about that is for... 10 years straight, even longer maybe, I wore tights. Like, you know, like the, yeah. like basically what you're wearing. Tights, yeah. tights uh, under my jersey, mm -hmm. on my legs. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't wearing tights. Stop. I'm not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna blame it on that. But it's just, you know, when you yeah, injure yourself, weird. you think about everything. Like, how could this happen? Maybe it was the maybe it, yeah. F word tights. <laughs> <laughs> F word tights. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so what else do you got? Is there any other advice you have for people that are thinking about going into be a professional basketball player? Or? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, not only professional basketball player, but whatever you're going after. I mean, if it's a difficult job or a competitive situation and you want to be successful, it's like we talked about earlier, it's it's belief. It's, uh, it's like, uh, I mean, another quote that I keep close to me is, uh, it's, um, they're, I mean, again, going to butcher it, but it's like... You need to get these tattooed on yourself so you can check out. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea, but it's... Uh, Linda, I did not say that. There's two types... <laughs> <laughs> no, Linda would be okay with it. It's Matt that would probably oh, have a bigger... Oh, sorry, Matt. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there's two types of men. Uh, the one that thinks he can and the one that thinks he can't, and they're usually both right. Oh, I love so that one. That's that's one that I think is super important. And then other than that, probably habit. I think habit is what makes the world go round as far as someone being successful. Yeah. No matter what it's at. Absolutely. If you can develop good habits in your day-to-day life, because they're so small and minute, mm-hmm. but you know they you can climb a mountain. Absolutely. It's actually, a good Croatian proverb is, you want me to say it in Croatian? Sure, go for it. Navika je dobar sluga alilos kaspodar. There you go. Habit is a good servant, but a poor master. So. Wow. Create the good habits; they'll serve you well. Look at you go. Big, big, big fan of habit. That's amazing. I think that's so true in so many ways Mm -hmm. in life. Um, Okay, so you're almost 30. You're coming up on the big 3-0. What's it feel like leaving your 20s? What's your This interview is over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel. I... It's not, it doesn't feel like this monumental moment. Yeah. I know it is yeah. in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. it just feels like another another day to me. I mean, I know it's a, a sign of... No, I think that's a good thing. I, for some reason, freaked out. I have no idea why. I've really? never freaked out on a birthday. That one freaked me out. And it had nothing to do with turning 30. It had everything to do with leaving my 20s. I don't know why. I think because like... You can get away with so much in your 20s because if you're a hoodlum, people are like, ah, they're in their 20s. Young 20 yeah. Year old. Yeah, yeah, it's still like 20 yeah, year old, yeah, and now yeah. it's like, oh, I, I mean, have to be an adult. I, I still have nine more days, so maybe I'll freak out when it gets a little closer, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You're like, now that you've said it, I'm going to yeah, freak out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm just going to take it, roll. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Hayden. Of course. Thanks Post. for having me on. I had, a lo- I had a blast. Good. Well, as we cheers, um, thank you for coming on. And we're here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams. And getting lost isn't always a bad thing. I'm lost quite a bit. And it's worked <laughs> out. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Hayden. Thank you.